<clears throat> May we have your attention? This is Suzanne. And this is Leanne. And we are two friends and fellow life coaches who live with inattentive type ADHD. This podcast is a place to put our conversations about our lives, our work, and our relationships. These episodes will definitely have squirrel moments and conversational rabbit holes. So inattention is guaranteed. Okay, Leanne, let's try to stay on point. (laughs) Good luck with that. Let's go. Squirrels out. So, rejection, sensitive dysphoria is the, is the phrase of the day. That's the newest thing we have can attach to ourselves? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and, and kind of like the reason why we are talking about it is because I think we both see it in ourselves in some respects. I think me maybe a little bit more than you to an extent, but we'll kind of get into it. But so rejection sensitive dysphoria is based. I'm going to actually pull up the self-test from Attitude Mag and we'll link it in the show notes. But so rejection sensitive dysphoria is classified as an intense emotional response caused by the perception that you've disappointed others in your life and that because of that disappointment, they've withdrawn their love, approval, or respect. And so it's basically just constant fear and feelings that you're going to be rejected And this is something that's actually unique to people that have ADHD. Um, And so just to kind of like do a little like overview with ADHD, it's a neurological difference compared to people that don't have ADHD and we just process information Mm -hmm. differently. But Um, there's usually like some mood issues that tend to happen with ADHD and like overreacting because we just like feel things really intensely. We don't like feel more emotions necessarily than other people. We just feel them a lot more deeply and intensely Mm -hmm. than some people do. So we have a tendency to just like overreact because we're like very hyper aware. um, And that's just the way that our brains work. And then um, we also have a lot of shame and guilt associated with ADHD. Um, But both of those mood things are something that anyone can really have, you know, if they don't have ADHD, but rejection sensitive dysphoria is something that's unique to ADHD. And so that's why we kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit more. And I mean, sure, everyone can have some moments of feeling rejection and things like that, but um, this is kind of at another level and it's um, dysphoria means unbearable in Greek. So it's like something that's just to the extreme compared to what people that don't have ADHD usually have or experience. And it's something that not everyone with ADHD has, but it's usually like what a lot of people with ADHD have. Um, it's, it's primarily an attentive type ADHD that experience rejection, sensitive dysphoria over other people. And the kind of the other reason why we're talking about it is because it's not something that's really talked about in the mainstream with um, people with ADHD or that even they realize that it's a thing for ADHD and a lot of doctors don't realize that it's a thing. 
um, a lot of medical professionals, um, and it's because it's not in the DSM-5. And that's because it's considered an emotion and the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, is something that researchers have basically compiled. And so you can't really measure and observe emotions the way that you can other things. So as a result of that, emotions are just completely out of anything having to do with ADHD, which is unfortunate because I think a lot of the people who are experts in the ADHD community who are very well known in the community and medical experts, they all feel like emotion needs to be a diagnostic criteria to actually have ADHD because it's such a huge part of the the diagnosis, but it's not considered to be in the diagnosis. So it's kind of stupid, right. but it's like our day-to-day experience. It was an interesting distinction for me to, to realize because when I first like heard about it saw it I was like oh my gosh is this like one more thing I have to like figure out like get diagnosed with or whatever but there's no diagnosis for it it's just RSD is one piece of ADHD right that you may or may not have right so you know so it's one component it's not a separate diagnosis um but so that to me was even a little bit comforting because I'm like come on man is it like another (laughs) like another acronym another thing that I have to like that you have to deal with but yeah well and the answer is yes I still have to deal with it but um yeah whether you want to or not Sus. Mm-hmm. boy but you, know how, <laughs> you know how I like just you know shutting things in a closet and not paying attention to them but right literally I uh oh gosh yeah so did you do the self-test I'll tell you my score if you tell me yours so I took it a while ago so I can actually pull it up and like redo it right now you have it up for you I do Mm -hmm. and I and I can answer like in real time as I score it myself and oof okay (laughs) that's great you know you know what why not (laughs) we can go through and you can tell me your answer and then I can tell you what I answered because I have my answers pulled up right here but yeah I scored a 39 out of 60 okay seems fairly high Mm -hmm. um not crazy high, but fairly high. And I think you're like over 50 percent ish. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm like, two, I'm at like two thirds. But so I think initially why I thought I did not have it was because I. So number one, I, I heard the statistic that 50 percent of all people with court ordered anger management have RSD. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking of I it think in it's terms actually of like this like aggressive like outwardly, you know what I mean? Like outwardly right. aggressive thing. And I don't have that. Right. So, and I think it's more so that they have un like treated or like undiagnosed right. ADHD. Right. But right. so like this RSD thing, rejection sensitive dysphoria, it comes out because it's undiagnosed ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's a higher oh, percentage. Did I, did I tell you the same? Did I, did I say the wrong thing? 50% of court ordered anger management have is it it's ADHD not ADHD not yep. RSD, right yep. okay yeah I yep. got that done wrong yep um okay you want to run through the questions yeah <laughs> Leanne yes do you experience sudden intense bouts of rage when your feelings are hurt yes often 
And so this, so the, so the like scoring criteria is very often, often, sometimes rarely or never. And for me, like the intense spots of rage, it's usually like internal, like anger and just like wanting to, and this could be also my Scorpio tendencies of like wanting to lash out and like hurt someone back because I'm so hurt that like I get upset and defensive. And so I'm like, well, no, that's like ridiculous. And so then I want to like go and just like say something hurtful, but I usually like hold it all in my head. I don't always like externalize it. Same. I, I internalize all of this, but yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, my answer was also often. Okay. Um, do you experience sudden intense bouts of depression when you think you have been rejected or criticized? Often. Often. <laughs> um, are you your own harshest critic? Very often. Often. Just because I assume other people think worse than me sometimes too. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> do you feel anxious in social situations because you assume that no one likes you? Sometimes. I have often. Uh, do you consider yourself a people pleaser going above and beyond to get on someone's good side? Often. And sometimes. Okay. Because I'm choosy with who I'm like that with. It's not everybody. Um, do you pass up opportunities or avoid starting projects because you're afraid you'll you'll fail? I wish there was an all the time answer for this. Same. It's, it's yeah. very often. Mine too. That is so many things in my life. Yep. Um, have you been called overly sensitive or head case because of your strong emotional reactions? That's another like all the time one very often. Okay. I have sometimes. Okay. Um, do you dedicate more time than is necessary to a project or become professionistic to uh, make sure your work has no mistakes? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yep. Um, do you ever experience your emotions as a physical sensation as though you've been punched in the chest or physically wounded? Very often. I have sometimes. Um, and again, I think a lot of times this is where my dissociation comes in, I want to say, mm -hmm. but, um, do you feel shame about the lack of control you have over your emotions? Often. Often. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say very often, but then after you said the other, like other people feel it like may have it more like you feel like others may have it like they think harshly about themselves more often than you do I think for me that's why I said often because I have worked through a lot of my shames like I would have said very often before I started therapy and like mm -hmm. doing all my own internal stuff but I think that's my default shame is my default thing so I put often before you were diagnosed with ADHD, were you told you might be depressed, have bipolar disorder, or have borderline character disorder? Very often, because I was diagnosed with depression. What about yours? Often. I was yeah. misdiagnosed with bipolar at one point. Oh, wow. See, and I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar or borderline, um, but depression, like, it, that's been a thing, like, forever, so... My, I think it was my depression and anxiety, like showed up as like high, low, high, low, you know? So, yeah. Um, do you shy away from close friendships or romantic relationships because you worry that if people knew the real you, they won't like you? Mm, often. Often. <laughs> <laughs> 
these are hard. I'm going to need to Okay. <laughs> like I've already done these, but like reading them out loud, I'm like, all the time. <laughs> um, don't worry. This is just going out into the whole world. Okay. Do you assume the- All five people that are going to listen to our right, podcast. Sure. It's fine. <laughs> That'll be enough to keep you up at night. It's fine. It only. <laughs> I think you have rejection sensitive dysphoria. If <laughs> I just need five like quality people to think the worst of me. Okay. Um, do you assume the worst in commonplace interactions, worrying you'll be fired every time your boss calls you into her office, for instance? Often. Sometimes. So remember, we literally had had this conversation what was it like Monday or so or no Sunday when we recorded our other things and I was like oh my gosh I'm so nervous that like I'm gonna get in trouble at work and oh my gosh and I'm in my head about it and I can't stop thinking about it and it was like literally fine but I had like massive anxiety for zero reason I love that that's the question and that exact scenario like yeah played out less than a week ago we had this conversation yes yes um do you think you cannot go on feeling this way? Sometimes. Rarely. Although I'm going to say my answer is different now than it used to be. So like, yeah. and I feel like, so rarely, like, yeah, like I think overall, like if we're talking about like suicidal thought stuff, like That's, overall, yeah. rarely, yeah. I think me constantly feeling like I have rejection fears and like overall, like just like constantly having the anxiety of rejection and all of that. Like that was how I kind of was internalizing it where it was like, yeah, like sometimes I get to the point where I'm so anxious and feeling like I'm going to be rejected and that it's just like, I feel like I'm going crazy that I'm like, I literally need to stop thinking this way. Like at some point before I like lose my shit, like I'm going to lose my mind. Do you avoid meeting new people or trying new things because your fear of rejection and criticism is so wrong or so strong? Sorry. And I would say sometimes. Mine's often. Because I would say often, but like I do, I do meet new people and I do try new things. Um, But a lot of times like I'll start and then I get scared and then I run away. Mm. Like I self, I self sabotage. Okay, pre pan, pre pandemic. I'm curious. Um, uh-huh. Do you consider yourself? Are you in, introverted or extroverted? Like, how do you? Yeah. How are so, you socially? I feel like I'm an ambivert. You know what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know what it is, it's like an extroverted introvert, or like an introverted extrovert. Like it, it's kind of a mix of both. Um, because I really do love connection and like being around people when I feel fulfilled and happy and like it's fun and you know I can be very outgoing when I'm around the right group of people or like in the right environment Mm -hmm. Um, and I think also what I didn't realize is that because of my ADHD (laughs) and the fact that I have anxiety I think my anxious state often comes across as being very extroverted because like I portray myself with just like a very anxious energy. So it was actually interesting. So yesterday I was talking to my boss at the hospital and I was telling her about my anxiety and like, I was like anxious about COVID and just, I had to get tested again for COVID yesterday. It was fucking stupid, but whatever. Anyway, 
I'm negative. Apparently I still don't know that I'm definitely negative because I don't feel good, but I'm just going to isolate in my closet. Literally, I see her, guys. She is. Literally, I'm in my closet. I have not gone outside. Um, I can't remember how I how we got on the conversation and like what exactly I was saying, but she had made a comment that she observed that my high productivity is probably a result of my anxiety. And like she like in every the joke at work. <laughs> is that I'm like the flash or turbo. Like those are my nicknames because I just, I'm always on the go and I'm always moving and very quickly and just like always having something that I have to do. And so I'm very productive and very like go, go, go have to do all this stuff. And so to the outside observer, it's like, I'm just a very high energy, high functioning, like outgoing type of a person. But I think really truly it's because I just have a lot of energy like because of my anxiety so yeah (sighs) so yeah I think that's like I'm a like an introverted extrovert like it has to be in the right situation I guess what about you um so I always said introvert and I think that's true because if you're going by if the metric is how do you um like are you energized by being alone or are you energized by being around people, right? Because we need both. And so I enjoy being around people, but ultimately for me, being around people is draining. Like to, in order to like, you know, recharge or like, you know, plug back in, I have to be alone to do that. So, but that doesn't mean I don't like being around other people. Totally Um, agree. Having said that, (laughs) I had a pretty bad social anxiety for a a while, like a lot of my adult life. Um, and so same thing where I would just like, I, I feel like it was uh, like hooked to my anxiety a little bit. If, if I was already feeling anxious, it was so hard for me to get psyched about going into any kind of social situation where, because suddenly I was like hyper aware of like everything I was saying, like, don't say anything stupid. Don't talk too much. Talk just the right amount. Like, don't make everything about you. Don't, like, I overthought everything. Mm -hmm. Um, It got to the point where sometimes, like, when, you know, in in the time spans when it was the worst, like, I would, this is so embarrassing, but, like, I would legitimately kind of, like, rehearse in my mind things to talk about or things to say so that, Mm -hmm. like, I knew that those things would at least come out right. And I'm so far removed from that now that I'm like, man, that is, it's crazy because I can't imagine being like that again. But also, right. I feel like that's how our brains work. Like, you you know, when you're in it, you're just like, yeah, this is just what it is. Yeah. And then when you're out of it, you're like, wow, that's not normal. Like, that's. Yeah, totally. I, um, it's funny because I think as I've gotten older, I've start because I think previously I would either just like be quiet around people or like kind of just not engage as much with people that I wasn't comfortable just like being my crazy self with Mm -hmm. or like would kind of limit like how I responded to certain things with certain people because I was afraid that I was going to be rejected by them. And so like, for instance, so, um, the, the person I think that just kind of formulated a lot of this for me was my dad. Um, and like, I don't want to shit talk my dad on a podcast. Um, because like he's alive and I have family that might listen to this and friends and people that know him and love him and are friends with him. And I, and I, 
and I will always love my dad. Like, and I don't want to really get into the, to the stuff. Um, but for me, I think the best thing that I could have done for my own emotional state and what I think has helped me to get through a lot of the stuff (laughs) that I've felt shame and guilt and not being good enough about was like limiting that relationship and kind of setting that boundary um, of being like, hey, like when you can have a relationship with me that's not based around certain, you know, stipulations and can just love your daughter um, then come around. And um, it's been, it'll be five years in February or March, I think, um, since I've last spoken to him. But what I've noticed in that time is that the more space that I've had away from the guilt trips and just like the negative, like you're not good enough and you're good enough if you meet these certain things for me to give you praise and approval Mm -hmm. and not show you my constant disappointment if you don't meet up to what I think that you should be doing. Um, The more space that I've gotten away from that um, and not just with, I mean, that's something that a lot of people I think do um, when they have trauma and codependent relationships and just a lot of different things. I think we tend to try to control situations to make ourselves more comfortable. And so if we can't control it, we tend to act out in you know, like unhealthy ways. Um, And so that's really been a lesson for me, I think, just in my journey with everyone in relationships, because I have a tendency based on the modeling that I received from my caregivers that, you know, I tend to want to control and need to have certain things go a certain way. So then that way I don't get rejected or I'm not hurt. Um, And so I've just found that as I've done a lot of the digging deep like in therapy to work through a lot of my shame and my guilt and my fear of not being good enough that I've I've gotten to a much better emotional state if that makes sense it does um so when I first read through this and this test in that article isn't the first thing I read about this um but again I was thinking of like outward things and like the the people pleasery and like doing everything like in a perfectionist manner. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I definitely don't have that. Um, But then recognizing that I do have a very strong in a certain number of areas. And so one of them is, and I kind of told part of the story on like one of our earlier episodes and then knowing it was going to come out into the world, I went ahead and like wrote something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's about just like how like school and feeling smart and I everything that way so can I just say I wanted it to like shout from the rooftop so if <laughs> you don't follow Sue's on social media she's a midlife alchemy on Instagram and she posted a little thing about her inattentive ADHD and I was so proud of you that you ahead of it I had to get ahead of the rejection or any kind of like negative anything I was like I'm just gonna get out there and tell the whole thing first and so so I was so freaking proud of you that you did that and like just did the thing and you can do hard things and I was just like so so excited to see that um and did you notice that literally nobody made a negative so here's the thing the thing that I 
really honestly thought would happen is what happened. And that's that my story is not in any way like original or a one-off or like so many women like have the same thing, which is, which is what I was hearing. Like that's what was echoed in the comments just over and over. So, and you know, what's interesting about that. So like I saw, cause obviously we're doing this podcast and so like, we're going to be kind of talking about it and trying to get the word out about it. And we both have ADHD. And so I had been since like September had been telling myself that I was going to write a blog post about my ADHD and my journey and kind of where I've gone and like do the whole like talk about it and social media and the whole thing. And I haven't done it. Um, And so (laughs) when we're talking about RSD, like I'm laughing so much because I have been putting this off Mm -hmm. and putting it off and putting it off because I it feels like such, and I don't know, like, I just kind of got emotional all of a sudden and it, that I wasn't expecting that. Um, it's such a big part of my identity now mm-hmm. this year um, that like, it feels like it's so big that I could never do it justice to talk about it. In and make it make sense to anyone else. And so I think I'm just like so like nervous to get started because it's like such a big thing that I'm like, oh God, like I don't even know how to start and how to make sense of my thoughts and the whole thing. And so when I saw your post, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, like I can't, like here's Susie and she's like, doing this great thing and she like wrote it perfectly and concisely and just like laid it out there in such a beautiful way and I'm never going to be able to do it justice like she did and so that was like the imposter syndrome and the fear of failing and like not doing it right and so I like I was so immensely proud of you and then I was like oh my gosh like I'm going to do this podcast such a injustice if I'm not putting some stuff out there to like get the word out on my own as well. And so like, I really like kind of had a moment where like, I, I was afraid that I was gonna like let you down. Like I was going to drop the ball on my side. Um, and I want to reach through this damn zoom screen (laughs) and just hug you. Number one, you can do it. Like I have no doubts about your abilities to do anything. Number two, I will support you in any way I can, yeah. like in that arena. But I'm just but I'm we're both gonna ass. we're both gonna blubber. I know. Um. So I did write like a couple days ago. I think I did like kind of a word dump, like in my word processing doc on my iPad to like kind of start to write stuff and it got really big and was getting really long and I was like okay I'm gonna have to break this down into maybe different parts at this point like if I'm really gonna do like a thing on it which I mean would make sense because ADHD is literally like 
everything that I never knew was me. So this is something that I can talk about for the rest of my life and make it as big as I need to. Um, because I feel like the nice thing about blogging is that you can just like put it out there and it doesn't have to like be the end of like, you don't have to have like one whole, like you can just keep going. Like it doesn't need to be like one perfect thing. Like you can keep adding to the story. Um, and so where I fell after I wrote that was like, okay, I'm going to need to do like a part two and stuff. And then I'm like, wait, do I need to rewrite this to make it make more sense? Cause like there were so many like dis like missing pieces. Like I didn't finish the story for like where I was at with my blog. Like I left like multiple different things where like I would need to touch base, but it was like in the way that it happened chronologically kind of. And so I got off topic and kind of went all over. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, because of course I'm ADHD. So of course that's why that happened because squirrel. Um, <laughs> It'd be crazy if it happened any other way. Right? right. And so then I'm like, all right, well, so how do I fucking like make it make sense? And then actually maybe pull some stuff from there to convert it into smaller content to post on like my Instagram and like do a story or something like that. Like, and just do like little smaller snippets of like what I've said just to like right, help, right. you know, like make that a regular part of my thing. Cause I think ideally that's probably the easiest way for me to talk about stuff. Like just, and like, putting putting content out but you know like I I hate social media and I hate having to use that as my platform to which I feel like you don't have to with a blog but but you can right. pull things from like a blog post right. to put up on different platforms so here's what I'll say like from the creative the creative standpoint and the writing standpoint is that almost everything that I've put out anywhere um it didn't start with that, right? So I do a ton of writing that is just processing. It is, it always starts as just a word dump. And right. like you write just to make sense of what is in your brain, but that doesn't mean it comes out in a way that makes sense, right? So you're just writing to write to get all the shit out. And right. from that, from that piece of writing, um, that brain dump, that processing is where you pull things from. And then you start writing another thing that's okay. Here's like, here's an angle. Like here's the smaller story within this that I'm going to write about here. And you start, and that's when you write something then that is more universal, you know, mm -hmm. and like a little more succinct and that really connects with people. It's more of a, like a product or offering, you know what I mean? But that's right. The writing never is. Right. Never is. So. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting. It's like, and I think this is kind of what started on Tuesday too, was like, I procrastinated, procrastinated, procrastinated about starting this because I was afraid that it wasn't going to be good enough and that people would think that I was stupid. And so I was like, well, I'm just not going to do it until I climb the wall of pressure where I can finally do it and write it. And that's what happens. Like you posted your thing and I'm like, Oh fuck, I have to start <laughs> maybe like doing it. Like, but it was like, it was exactly the motivation that I needed. Like, because it was the final like nail to like get me to start climbing the wall, you know? And so I don't know if you know, like the wall of ADHD, have you heard that term? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's like, I might actually, you know, I'm going to find the link to this one YouTube thing where this girl talks about it. She's amazing, by the way. 
Um, and so she has ADHD. And so she explains like a lot of different ADHD terms. So I will link a video in our show notes. That's like how to climb the wall of ADHD or like the wall of ADHD. But so for me, like seeing your post and me having the constant like fear just in my own internal dialogue, not anything that you've ever felt or told me or whatever, was like, oh no, like I'm not going to be able to pull my weight and I need to make sure that I can pull my weight for Suze because I don't want to disappoint her. And I want to make sure that I can, I can be there like step by step like she is. And so I was like, okay, I have to do it. And so that was like the motivation that got me to do it. And so as I have to tell you that like this morning, I sent Marco Polos to two other people where I mentioned that I've had like a really down, like depressive week and I'm supposed to be like editing all of our podcast episodes together. And I have not done that yet. And I'm like, I have Leanne counting on me. Like, don't drop the ball. You. (laughs) I love that we're both like in our own, like little, just little worlds being like, oh my God, I'm letting her down. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so like, but how beautiful is the fact that this has all just kind of naturally been our mental state this week um, in different ways. And it just plays beautifully into this episode on RSD and like how we are so afraid of doing it. And so like you said, your number was 39, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your score? 46 out of 60. 39 mine was 39 yours is 46 yeah yeah so mine oh okay so I was gonna say say so mine shows up around things having to do with me feeling smart and some of that is you know the the barely graduating high school thing the -hmm. not having a college degree thing the you know just constantly feeling like everyone around me it's not that I don't feel well I think I'm not sure if I'm smart but I don't want to, I'm very aware of sounding stupid to people. And I say sounding stupid with braces and it's like very slurry. And so I literally sound not great right now, but. Um, I didn't even notice it. <laughs> every time I say S is it reverberates inside my own head. There's like this. <laughs> it's like in my jaw of like a slurry s in your head it's like it's like there's nothing in your but this is the visual that i had when you said like it's it reverberates in my head and i'm like i just picture like Suze's brain but there's no brain it's just like an empty like dark chamber like concrete chamber of nothingness where like you just hear like the echo 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 of s yeah. As you slur. It's a snake pit. Like, yeah, it's a it's a chamber. And then if you pan down to the floor, it's just a bunch of snakes down there making an S sound. <laughs> but so so that is like the first one for me is like sounding dumb to where I think is where I went. I, I learned pretty early on to do the like funny, jokey, self-deprecating thing um to where because then if something smart comes out of me it's just a pleasant surprise right but it's but it's not necessarily expected so so like yeah so around like feeling smart and then the second thing is for sure like my romantic relationships feeling like rejected that way huge because it triggers everything in me with like all of my abandonment shit Oh, I'm making a stabbing. Oh my gosh. Because I feel like you just stabbed me in the chest with my heart. Mm-hmm. Like huge. Well, because there's a, we're both dealing with our own shit with this right now. That's and so, so hard. So <laughs> exhausting. 
it is so hard to be us. I love how you're like, it's so hard. It's so exhausting. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Fuck, 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 fuck it. Oh, fuck. don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go there. It's, <laughs> <sighs> but it's, I, I think it's because I, I don't fear rejection from everyone or a lot of people. Like, I don't care if the guy at Jiffy Lube, like, I don't fear him abandoning me, you know? So right. like, I don't give right. a shit if he says something like, obnoxious right. to me I'm just like fuck you like I don't care but if it's the person you know like my current partner or my like you know one of my best friends like if someone I care about then absolutely and it's a very strong reaction totally yeah so, same but random people I don't give a shit so yeah usually usually the same thing for me I think if there's like if it's like someone where like, maybe like I won't have to deal with them after a certain amount of time. But like, if I have to deal with them, like for a, like, if it's like a stranger and I'm like having to like go and do some car stuff or like whatever. And it's like a constant, like over and over where like, I may see them for like several times over a period of time. Mm -hmm. If there's like something wrong, then I might panic. But then like, once I know I'm never going to see them again, like then I'll be like, whatever, I'll just like go fuck yourself. But mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think I still kind of internalize stuff. Like, I don't, I don't care about everybody, but I do care a lot about a lot of people right, that I probably right. should need to worry about so much. I, uh, so I think the first place I really recognized it and recognized my very strong reactions to things to where, well, okay, so let me say this. I, I think as a, as a young person, when I would feel the stuff come up, when I would like feel criticized about, you know, school grades, just kind of whatever it feels from my dad. It was about just every fucking thing. Like just, I, I, it would, I would feel angry and hurt, but I didn't want to be like a mean person. So mm -hmm. everything was internalized. Like mm -hmm. everything got internalized to where I had like self-harm issues as a teenager. I, because if I was hurting myself, it was fine. I just didn't want to hurt other people. Right. And so everything like went in. And I, I once had a therapist tell me uh, depression is anger turned inward, which makes all kinds of sense why I ended up like very depressed. And so um, for a long time, like, like everything was just turned inward. When it comes to my romantic relationships, I absolutely, that's where those things tend to like, come out more in like just uncontrollable outbursts of anger of like jealousy like just very strong to where that stuff comes out and I'm just like oh you uncork the bottle now well like here it all comes like I can't and you know and it lasts maybe 10 minutes and then afterward I'm just like oh god what was that like and then the uh -huh. shame of just not being able to you know I'm just like why couldn't you keep that in too you keep everything else in right. why can't that stay in Right. So there's so much shame about when I can't quote unquote control it, which just means not express it. It just means right. swallow it and keep it in there. But right. like when that comes out like that, I have so much shame about because I'm because then I'm like, oh, great. Well, now I'm like the crazy chick. Now I'm like the you know what I mean? And I'm so worried about seeming out of control or it's just it's a shit show. Yep. I literally like that is the only part of my life where that comes out. It's come out for me so much with that. Like, it's not even funny. 
And I think for me, like what's really interesting is because in the past, like I've like cried and gotten upset and emotional, like at the drop of the hat about everything with romantic relationships. And now as I've started to do more work on myself and take more time to understand like my patterns and like trying to change my thoughts about things just in general, like, so I don't feel like I'm going crazy all the time in my head. Like now I've gotten to the point where again, like I'm so afraid of rejection in the opposite extreme that I just keep it all inside. And so I can't like, then I'm just like in this like freeze, like paralysis where then I don't want to say anything, but like, you can tell that I'm not okay. And like, I'll act more guarded and I'll get more avoidant and I'll go and kind of run away. And then like, I'll randomly just like be so like in turmoil in my own head that I can't help but say something. And so I don't lash out necessarily. Um, but I have a tendency to just like need to word vomit on someone, all of my thoughts about something or feelings about something because I can't keep it in anymore, but I'm so afraid of like constantly saying something like if something's not okay and there's something where I'm not feeling heard and I'm not able to communicate my thoughts instead of just like going along as we kind of have communication and saying it at the moment, um, I hold it all in and then I say it in a big thing. But I think my fear is like while I'm trying to set boundaries and trying to like find my own voice and like communicate and like express my needs and my wants and desires and like take the other person in consideration and hold space for them. Like instead of me just doing it in a healthy way and like just feeling okay with being like, hey, this is how I feel. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to feel like I'm being too rigid and have too many boundaries. And being the person where, like, every single time we talk, like, you have to turn it into a, oh, well, I don't like this. Or, oh, like, what about, like, I want to change this, that, or the other. And, like, sound like the needy chick, you know, because I'm not. Like, I'm really not, I don't think. But it's like, I think I'm so afraid of it coming across that way that like, I'd rather just not say anything. And then I have to go and like do a whole thing because I can't help myself. But I think maybe also that's probably the types of people that I allow in my life that are emotionally unavailable like myself. And so when I'm communicating stuff, like the people that like are probably better people for me to align with like there wouldn't be so many different things that I would have to constantly communicate like a boundary or a need or a want like in a way that doesn't align with how I'm feeling like if I feel the need that I need to state something all the time there's probably a mismatch in what I actually want versus like what they're able to give or right yeah totally Totally. And so I think that that's kind of a deeper thing. Um, I don't want to go off on a whole tangent, but yeah. there is a little bit of context here of that I just want to talk a little bit about. And that is the, uh, I have the fearful avoidant attachment style uh-huh. in relationships, which um, basically means that in your mind, <laughs> in your brain, um, you are feeling like that anxious constant scanning hyper vigilant like you know overthinking and and running 
every single like scenario pattern, you know, whatever, but your behaviors are what seems more avoidant. Mm -hmm. And so because you kind of like withdraw, you do that like avoidant kind of pushback withdrawal thing um, is what your behavior is showing. But in your brain, there is all kinds of like bullshit happening. Um, And for me, it's interesting because while I'm like behaviorally, like it looks like I'm pushing away, but what I actually want is reassurance. Like reassurance would make me actually like feel like it was safe to lean back in. But but like what a weird way to try to get reassurances by being like, get the fuck out of here. You know, like that's not how you get people to reassure you. It's totally, totally. That's, that's totally how, how I feel too. And it's funny that you were like, I don't want to go on a whole tangent. Cause I literally like this whole episode, I've been like, this has everything to do with why I have fearful avoidant attachment yes, style. Yes. And I was like trying to talk about it without talking about it <laughs> well because sorry i'm just gonna lay it out there to say no you're that fine that is the place where it is the most obvious to me when i feel rejected romantically and again can be just perceived rejection right mm-hmm. or criticism or for me a lot of times it's like jealousy or um anything like that like that is what triggers my like fuck you get away from me I feel angry because it's it's so it's so hard to be vulnerable and like say like give this other person like here are all the ways you could absolutely crush my heart like please don't do them like no i'm not gonna do that you know it's so yeah Yeah. i totally feel you and like for me i think i have a tendency to like i i will avoid 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 and like not say anything but i'm so anxious and like i just want to go ahead and run away and then i have the tendency to just go ahead and burn the damn bridge down as a way to be able to get away and it's like i would rather reject someone else over being rejected and so i would rather be the one to even if i don't want it or don't feel like i want to lose someone like i will be the one to go ahead and like say all the stuff and like do it in a way where like all of a sudden I c- I'll like not talk to someone for a long time and then like I come back and I like lay it all out there and then I'm like I'm done and then I just like run off into the sunset and right. never like but, like I hide in my cave and never come out and like and that's how I like show up you know that there's a meme of an otter putting his little paw through a hole in the class, mm-hmm. like holding yes. someone's, yes. yes. That is me. Like in a meme, that is how I operate in like just my relationships where I'm just like, don't be like, go away, but also don't like go all the way away. Just like get away right. from me, but stay here. Let me hold your hand through this tiny hole in the glass. So I know you're still here, but right. also give me like, it's ridiculous. It right. feels very high maintenance. To know just the right amount to like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Leanne, you want to date me? I seem really fun. Oh my gosh. You're low so- key. It's fine. I, I think, I think I'm a crazy person, but it's okay. Okay. So other than, other than like your romantic relationships, how do you, can you identify other specific areas where you're feeling like where RSD feels like it might be a real thing? Like in my competency, knowing that I can do things. And so like you mentioned like school and that sort of, and that's kind of how I am like school and work and just like areas where I feel like I need to be competent or I should know the thing. And I'm very nervous about how, how others perceive me 
surrounding that. Um, and so I struggle with that a lot. And I think that has been something like since childhood where I was just always expected to have good grades and do a certain thing and then like go to college and finish within a certain amount of time and like go to the right school and like have the right grades and get the right degree and do the right path. And I didn't do any of that. Like I took a lot longer to finish like because I took breaks and transferred schools. And so then that made it take longer. And then I went to online school to finish. Like I went to Drexel and got my undergrad and Drexel has a fantastic psychology program. It's actually one of like the best, but because I went to an online school instead of like a brick and like they have a brick and mortar school in Philadelphia, but I didn't live in Philadelphia. They had an online program where I could do it from wherever. And before online was like well-known, that was not okay that I did that to family. And so I had so much shame and guilt that I wasn't good enough and that it wasn't as real and legitimate as going to a different school. And so it was like, I always was failing to meet the standard that other people thought that I should meet. And like, I had a lot of people, like a couple people in my family that like gave me a really hard time about that. And then like, oh, why aren't you doing this? And what are you doing with this? And like, just constantly, um, questioning my competency to do things and get me to where I was. And so I had so much shame for that. Um, and it's something that I'm still like, it's hard for me to talk about it because I don't really talk about it to people. Um, and it's something that I've worked through a lot. And so I think for me, like the fact that I decided to not get my licensure as a therapist and to do coaching and talking about it and being open about it and not going down the road that other people thought I should go down. And it doesn't have to make sense to them, but it feels the most authentic to myself. Um, and I'm really proud that I was brave enough to do that because I feel like it's the right choice, like without a doubt. But like knowing that there's people out there that think that it's the wrong choice for me is still really hard um, because I... I haven't had those conversations with those people about how much it hurt me to feel like I wasn't good enough because of what their expectations were. So one of the things I hit on in uh, the thing I posted the other day was um, so in sixth grade, like I, I tested into the gifted program at school and part of that testing was an IQ test. And mm -hmm. my dad made a point of telling me what my IQ was. And so I had like an actual number, like measurable, like, you know, like disappointment scale. And so, um, so as a kid, like I had this number and I remember him telling me like, it's two points shy, like you're almost a creative genius. And the almost a creative genius thing fucked with <sighs> me so hard because it was, I was smart enough to be a massive disappointment but I wasn't quite there to do anything spectacular. Right. Was the thing I had in my head forever. Mm -hmm. So it has stopped me from even trying to do anything because I'm like, I'll either try and fail spectacularly. It'll be terrible. Like, or, well, there's no or, or <laughs> meaning two things like meaning, you know, I'm should be smart enough to like, at least make that work, but you didn't or well, of course, cause you're not actually smart enough to do anything amazing. 
So it, it stopped me from trying to do anything. Yeah. And I'm still like, I'm 44 years old. Like I find myself like with creative projects, especially like trying so hard to like overcome that because I'm like, that has been the narrative since I was literally like 12 years old mm-hmm. to, to try to overcome that. And it's, holy shit. It's like, it's so hard. Yep. Totally. Totally. Um, so kind of like along the lines of RSD, um, cause I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm not dating, but I'm dating, like just keeping my options open, I guess. And there's kind of been an instance where I've just realized that I think I have like come to terms with the fact that I'm in a place where I'm trying to work on myself and grow and improve and be a better person every day and improve my communication and like kind of just my normal interactions like before I get into a romantic relationship. Um, And that's why like I'm kind of at the place where I don't want to be in a relationship because I feel like if I'm going to get into a relationship, I want to be able to be the best version of myself Mm -hmm. and feel really good within like my own communication skills and things like that. Because I've been single for a year now. I like I'm on a dating app, but like it's kind of like I'm not really like super invested. Like I'm keeping my options open and like there's a couple people, but it's not anything really like where I'm jumping in to have a relationship. And so there's one person where I've just kind of realized that as much as I'd like to be able to like see where things go and just kind of be open to whatever, I also just feel like I'm not getting back what I'm like trying to get to within myself um, and like with another person. Um, And I'm having a hard time expressing that to the other person. And so until I'm able to do that, like I can't really like get involved, you know, like until I feel more comfortable. And so I feel like I just need to take like a big step back and not even like deal with it. I was so worried, like, and my RSD was coming out, like, because I was so worried that, like, I'm not going to be chosen. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to, like, I had this internal dialogue of just no one's going to like me for me. And, like, I'm going to be too much. I'm not going to be good enough. And just, like, the whole internal dialogue. And I was letting that get to my head. And, like, I'm trying to grow. But because, like, I couldn't figure out how to say something. And then the other person isn't able to meet me there because they have their own shit that I was taking it as a rejection versus a place of like, I'm trying to grow, but if the other person isn't doing their own stuff, I'm never going to be able to say my thing and have it land well and not come across as insensitive or being needy or whatever when that's not what it is just trying to be on the same page and so I think like because of my ADHD and knowing that I have the rejection sensitivity that I have anxiety all the time. And so when I feel intense emotions and I have all this stuff going on in my brain, I'm feeling it so much that I can't separate it and like get into my body to actually feel how I'm feeling in my body because my anxiety and my head is so much that like I can't 
get past these intense emotions. And so it's really, really hard to remember that this is just the ADHD or like my brain and the rejection sensitivity thing. And then it's not a real thing. And that like in the moment, like just being able to remember, Hey, wait a minute. Like, yes, you have anxiety, but you can get yourself back into it. You just have to remember you have a bigger wall to overcome in order for you to get back to center, you know, and like be able to think logically. And I had that epiphany this morning when I was talking to my friend and just was like, Oh, like I need that reminder that that's like, that's what the biggest obstacle is going to be for me is to remember to separate that. Um, One of the things that I, well, I found that YouTube channel that you told me about um, self-development school, because this is absolutely where the RSD triggers the hardest is like in this area. So the example that she uses a lot is, okay, let's say, you know, your partner gets home five minutes late and in your mind, you're like, they're five minutes late every Wednesday. They're probably meeting someone to do blah, blah, blah. It's probably this. And it's probably none of that is you don't voice any of that. You keep all that inside. You run through 50 scenarios of what this is. And in your mind, you're like, yep, yeah, it's probably this. And then like later that comes out in an, either like a passive aggressive comment or, you know, just all kinds of bullshit. And so she was like, what you need to do is like, you need to actually like, even though it's going to feel super bad, like you lean into that vulnerability and you're like, Hey, you were five minutes late. I'm feeling a whole lot of anxiety around that. This, the like story I'm telling myself is it might be this. And like, just being rather than like, you know, it needs to be like zero accusatory. Right. (laughs) But just like, I'm feeling this. Can you help me? Can you tell me what this is? So I'm not feeling this. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I had my own version of this <laughs> this past week where I just, I was super triggered about a thing. I sat on it. I didn't explode. I wrote a whole bunch of stuff till I figured out what exactly I was feeling, how much of it was like, oh, that might be made up. Like once I write it down, I'm like, I may have just made that up. Like that, I don't think that much is true. And then just went like to this other person and was like, okay, this is happening. I'm telling myself it's this, like, you know, here's how much, here's how much I feel comfortable asking you. Like, and he totally answered back in like a very, I hear you. That totally makes sense why you feel that. Like it actually, but it was so hard for me to Mm -hmm. lean into that vulnerability and be like, this feels really, it's like, you know, offering up your ovaries on a platter where I'm like, this right. feels really bad. And then just like, please don't punch them. Like, but it worked. And I was so proud of myself for like, mm-hmm. for like, you know, number one, not blowing up and being crazy. Number two, like figuring out how much is it okay to voice about this right now? How much is like appropriate? Like, what can I actually ask for? And mm-hmm. Um, and it worked out and I was like really proud of myself, but good God, it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, so like just to kind of recap, I guess, um, rejection sensitive dysphoria is like an ADHD thing and not everybody has it, but we're going to link the self-test in the notes. Like on our own journeys, we've just kind of noticed where we have it in certain areas more strongly than others. And although a lot of times it's shitty, we're kind of trying to be at least a little bit more observant and mindful and aware of our patterns 
And it's all process. It's all process. And also wherever you are in that process is okay. It's all good. It's all good. (sighs) We're going to both hang up and have like such a vulnerability hangover. But yeah, so next episode, I think we're going to talk about attachment styles then. Oof. Buckle up, kids. <laughs> I think we had a vulnerability hangover oh, with this episode. I will, I will totally go down that rod hole with you about prior stuff, and it's fine. So I look forward to that, kind of. <laughs> <laughs>